Welcome to the Cut for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and today we're digging into my message from Sunday, which was about the restoration of Simon Peter, uh, digging into what the number three has to do with all of this, and then also I had a very interesting experience. Uh, last week I got to go down to Church of the Resurrection in Leewood, Kansas for their Leadership Institute, and so we're going to share a couple of insights from that as well. Let's get into it. Sounds good. Because this is the Simon Peter series, my sermon was very focused on the interaction between Jesus and Simon Peter. Mm-hmm. But there are some interesting things that happen. In Why is he naked? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't pay like pay attention the whole first time. Like, what was that? <laughs> so the likelihood is that he was not actually physically naked. The likelihood was that he had taken off his outer robe. Kind of this, he would have looked, he would have been dressed similarly to how Jesus was dressed when he washed the disciples' feet. He was not naked. He had taken off his outer garment to make his work easier. Okay. So he was not naked, naked. He was just in a certain level of undress. Gotcha. But then, because Simon Peter is Simon Peter, he put his robe back on to dive back into the water. Because he didn't want to see, he didn't want to have Jesus see him in that state of undress. So that's why he's that. That's why Scripture says that he's naked, and that's why he puts his on his clothes on to go swimming, which is completely counterintuitive to mm-hmm. how like that's supposed to work. Right. So that definitely needs to be cleared up. Yep. Definitely. That makes I was I'm like, <laughs> what's going on here? Yes. Yes. You should have your clothes on, Peter. You really should have your clothes on, yes. But when you're doing the work of fishing all night with other fisher men, you know, that that would have happened. You know, that they would they would all would they I mean, they probably would have been all in that certain that state of undress as well. Like sure. you know, they're they're working hard, they're fishing all night, they're lowering their nets, they're bringing them up, they're getting frustrated because they're catching nothing. You know, and again, they fish like I mean, like I mentioned on Sunday, Stop me if you heard this one. They fish all night unsuccessfully. These professional fishermen that do this for their that did this for their job, mm-hmm. they are the ones that fish all night and catch nothing until Jesus shows up. By design. By but, design. Absolutely mm-hmm. by design. You know, and so yeah, it's just amazing the 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 impact that the presence of Jesus can have on you know all of us, mm-hmm. especially on those disciples at that moment. Yeah. yeah, but you're in a boat full of dudes. I'd at least have some clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. Oh, yep. man. But That's this it. is a society. I mean, this is a very different society to the society that we live in. Very so, true. Like, they could have been completely naked and that not been weird. Sure. This would have been weird for us. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. Even just reading it was weird. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. I... There have been two times where I have not wanted to read like the entirety of scripture. It was this one, and then a few months ago during the um, the during the, the set free series after Easter, I forgot that the book of Galatians is where Paul says that people should go mutilate themselves, mm. or go circumcise themselves, and so I said I I got to that and I literally said I'm not reading that, and then ended the scripture reading. So, Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. I love Paul. I love the Apostle funny. Paul so much. The other thing I was thinking about was, do you think that 
Jesus asked three times because Peter denied him three times. Was like the three and the three Mm -hmm. important? Yes. Okay. I kind of thought so too. You didn't really like blatantly say it in the message, but. Yep. The three and the three are very important because this is supposed to, this is, this, I mean, like we talked about on Sunday, this is the restoration of Simon Peter. And so because he denied Jesus three times, he had to affirm that love three times. Mm -hmm. He had to, but in order for, for any of this to make sense. It was not a not like Jesus is super into symbolism and the gospel writers are too. And so for that to have that one-to-one correlation is very important. Yeah. Is there a, is there a a recount of this story in any of the other gospels? Nope. This is just the gospel of John. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Um, well, in, it's not in Mark's because Mark wants to get the story out, just the facts, just mm-hmm. very, you know, Mark's gospel is very bare bones. It's written first. It's written the fastest. He just wants to get the story out. Matthew wants to convince the readers that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, and this doesn't serve that. So it's not going to be there. Luke has more of an affinity for the outcast and the downtrodden, and he doesn't, I mean, the resurrection story stands as it is. And also because Luke's going to go on to write the book of Acts um, as well. And so he, you know, he doesn't need this particular incident because he can, he can, he's going to tell the story of Simon Peter going forward and becoming the leader. Like we don't need, we don't need to know that from Luke's writing. It's hmm. just John's gospel because John is different. John's more spiritual. John's going to make those juicy connections between the three and the three. Um, he's the he's going to be the one to tell those those types of stories. Mm-hmm. So back to Matthew, mm-hmm. Jewish Messiah. You wanted Jesus to look like. So why doesn't this serve the Jewish crowd? This does nothing to forward the narrative of Jesus. This forwards the narrative of Simon Peter. Like, Simon Peter is a very important character in the story of the Gospels, but Matthew wants people to come away with the resounding sense that Jesus is the Messiah, the one sent by God. And, you know, and, and, then, and, and, but, and Matthew accomplishes the sending of the disciples through the giving of the Great Commission. This is how John's Gospel sends the disciples likewise, by telling them to go feed sheep. Mm-hmm. So... In Matthew, you will hear the, you know, the time and time and time again, you'll hear, you know, this happened to fulfill this prophecy. This mm-hmm. happened to fulfill that prophet. Sure. Okay. So. What else do you want to talk about? Yeah, well, the other thing that I find fascinating about this story is that John goes into so much detail about the fire and, like, the fact that it's a charcoal fire. Like, that takes time and forethought into how you prepare it. And so Jesus this is not a spur of the moment thing for Jesus. This is a spur of the moment. This gets sprung on the disciples, but Jesus is planning this the entire time. Jesus has that level of foresight that, you know, they're not cooking up the fish from the catch. The fish are already done. Mm-hmm. When Jesus calls the disciples in, it's to start having this breakfast. Um, and so I, I just appreciate the wisdom of Jesus to, that has everything ready and everything in place and everything in order to do what he wants to do in the life of the disciples to like once again bring them into the reality of the resurrection to eat to to break bread with them one more time before he's ascended into heaven um you know to, to have that really intentional meal around 
you know, around around the fish and the bread. Um, yeah, because like in John's gospel, there's no mention of communion. This is as close as it gets. Mm. Like there's there's no there's no Eucharistic institution in the same way that there is in the other gospels where Jesus says, this is my body broken for you and this is the, the, the blood poured out for you. Like none of that is in John. John's gospel has the feeding of the 5,000 and then he has this meal. Like those are the those are the big meals in John's gospel. Um, there is not so this meal is very important for them to share together because, I mean, again, it's it's Jesus proving that he's truly and fully alive. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's not an apparition of some kind. It is literally Jesus with them, and that he has made this breakfast. He is called to his disciples. He is ready for them to come and enjoy fellowship with him. Sure. It's, it's not that they they have to wait. It's not that like you know, um, Simon. I was reading one of the commentaries this week that like talked about why um, Simon had to go grab fish, and it's just you know to, to you know further prove the uh, you know the the miracle of it all. Um, but yeah, because they're not they're not eating those fish. They're eating fish that Jesus has already cooked. So even though they were not able to bring in the fish then before Jesus, Jesus was able to. Mm-hmm. And then there's some theories around because, you know, we're, we're told very clearly in the gospel that the catch is 153 fish. Um, in that number, I mean, it's not, when you break down like New Testament numerology, the study of like numbers and their significance, like the threes and the three, um, you know, 153 doesn't really mean anything. The only thing that it really means is that there, one of the theories is that there were 153 species of fish at that time. And so Simon Peter and the disciples caught one of everything, you know, to like be the metaphor for, you know, you're going to go to all different types of people that Jesus is going to save everybody. Like mm-hmm. the, this, this, this catch is diverse and varied in the same way that the kingdom of God is diverse and varied. Or the other theory is that's just a buttload of fish mm-hmm. that Jesus brought in, like the, the the Jesus enabled the disciples to bring in. So, a couple of different things at play. Yeah, it is interesting that they would number those, mm-hmm. like actually have a number. Yep, has to mean something, right? Usually, mm-hmm. especially in John's Gospel, where there are layers and levels of hidden meanings in in a lot of things, like. Um, like there are certain stories where John's gospel tells you what time of day it is. And like mm-hmm. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. Jesus, he comes to Jesus in a state of being in darkness, of not understanding. And then he's enlightened by Jesus. Mm-hmm. Or people that get it come to Jesus in the light. And that, you know, they're not necessarily talking, though they, they are. And there, there's, there's other practical reasons why Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. It's because he was afraid of the, um, of, the, of the other Pharisees finding out that he's going to go and talk to Jesus because uh, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. But there is also this motif where light and dark mean understanding and not, getting it and not. Yeah. Yep. I like John's Gospel quite a bit. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Things you don't draw parallels too very easily mm-hmm. yeah when i was i don't know if this is podcast really but when i was listening to it today and the whole three and three finally came to me sorry i'm a little slow mm-hmm. um, it happens. 
I don't know. I just, I like how you went into, um, wow. You went into the song of, um, God is in the details. And mm-hmm. God is in the story. God is in the story and yeah. doesn't matter. Like all of the things that we have done, it just doesn't matter. Yes. And it's so, yeah, all the things that Peter screwed up, he's still the third most important person in the New Testament. Yeah. Or second. Right. Like, and that's just, so when people think that they're not worthy of being here or they're not, mm-hmm. they can never measure up or anything like that. It just doesn't right. matter. Yeah, that's the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the point is that you can never measure up. You're absolutely right. Yes, you, you, you cannot. That is the grace of Jesus Christ working in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have had so many conversations with people outside of the church. They're just like, oh, if I went through the doors, I'd burst into flames and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's not how God works. Like, read the Bible. Mm-hmm. At no point does, the, does coming into God's presence... You know, God wants all of God's lost children found. That's all there is to it. And so to not feel welcome in the presence of Jesus Christ makes absolutely no sense to me because that's what God wants. Mm -hmm. God wants you to have that interaction. God wants you to have that. And it doesn't matter who you are. It matters who God is turning you into. The Apostle Paul will go on to say that, you know, your old self dies so that Jesus can make something new out of you. And that is a wonderful and holy and hard process. But it never comes to us from a point of judgment of where we've been. It's always about grace and always about where we are going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who, are, who we are becoming by the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. It just doesn't matter what we've done. Jesus is there to save and redeem and renew us in his name. Like, that's just all there is to it. That's why Simon Peter's story is so important, and that's why the Apostle Paul's story is so important, too, because they both came from just such varied backgrounds. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but Simon Peter comes from just such this plain background and got it wrong constantly, and yet Jesus turned him into what he turned him into. So, uh, the Apostle Paul came from, you know, luxury and, and, and leadership and, and p- power and privilege. And he goes to the point where he just says none of it means anything because of the surpassing greatness of knowing who Jesus is. You know, and that, that's just our story, you know. We all have a past. We all have a history. And none of it means anything because Jesus can do what Jesus wants to do with us when we are open to that level of transformation. And it just goes to show it's not for any, Jesus isn't for any class of person. It's not for any, uh, it's not only for rich people, it's not only for poor people. It's not, you know, it's just, Jesus is for everyone. Yes. And it just doesn't matter. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes, Jesus loves us because of and in spite of our faults. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Do you want to talk about what you did last week? I went down to the Church, Res- <laughs> Church of the Resurrection in Leewood, Kansas, uh, with uh, Pastor Adam Hamilton. Um, and then uh, Todd Bolsinger spoke as he was one of our keynote speakers. He wrote a book a few years ago called Canoeing the Mountains. 
I've talked a lot about uh, Lewis and Clark mm. and like how they, you know, they got to, you know, the Mandan reservation and thought that they were almost there mm-hmm. and that thought they were just going to cross one portage and then be on the coast. And then they ran into the Rocky mountains, you know, and just, what do you, how do you canoe? How do you continue a canoe trip when you have to go through the Rocky mountains? Mm-hmm. The answer is you don't. And so like one of the, the point that Todd Bolsinger makes in the book is that we have to think differently about the direction we're going because we cannot just, you know, we, our assumptions can be wrong and we, you know, we have to adapt or we will starve to death or we will die or we will not achieve what we want to achieve. And so that was really, I've had that book on my shelf for a long time, but that kind of, that kind of tipped the scales into me. I need to, I just need to read it. Mm -hmm. So. So like I went there not completely jazzed about any one speaker in particular, the way that I am for next year. But then I went to a workshop and then heard a keynote from Jen Katrin. Um, she is a strategist for a group called Foresight um, that she founded. I mean, she was an executive pastor for a while and like worked in this. I mean, she has just a very management centered mindset mm-hmm. of just, you know, how to get the most out of uh, most out of people and, you know, just how to, how to work systems in a way that, that makes everything run smoothly and, and do the things. And we're very different people, like just from the time we spent together in this workshop and then in her keynote, I can tell that we're very different people. Cause she was telling the story about being in a children's ministry one time and the room was just in utter chaos and like she was looking around like there was glitter everywhere and you know goldfish ground into the carpet because you know kids ministry and she was looking around for someone to like do something like you know this this is not how the system is supposed to work we need to figure out who to hold accountable rather than just going and getting a mop mm-hmm. or a vacuum and i am just so much so the go get a vacuum type person of like i'm going to do what needs to be done rather than try to put it back into the system and see why this to see why this didn't work. Both of those things are important, but it's just our, our natural inclinations are just so different because she went on to, she went on to talk about that in the context of leadership through our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there are different ways that we lead out of those different things. And we all have a default, you know, and I am very much in the, in the way that she explained things, I am very much more so of the heart soul rather than the mind strength. And so that's why, that's why I can say that we're very different people because she is and will admit to being a very mind strength focused person. And I am definitely, I haven't read her book completely all the way through yet, but I'm definitely in that heart soul type of an area where you just, you're going to do what you need to do to make things work easier for everybody. And they're not people please, but just, you know, address the real concern before digging into the accountability of why did this go wrong? Mm-hmm. So what was one piece that you want to start to implement here? There. So through the heart, soul, mind, strength training, there is a uh, assessment basically where like you answer these questions a certain way. And then that tells you which camp you fall into heart, soul, mind, or strength leadership team is we are going to be walking through that so that we know where we are and also kind of maybe even evaluating where some of our gaps are. Like if we get mm-hmm. around the room and there is, you know, of uh, uh, overrepresentation mm-hmm. of the heart soul type people, 
we need some more mind strength type people. Like we need, we need to adjust and evaluate where we are based on those things. And like, again, we all have all of these things within us. It's just a matter of what we lead out of the most naturally. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting mm -hmm. to that. That's one of the pieces that I want to implement as fast as I can. So cool. Yeah. Well, what's next week? Yeah. So next week is the conclusion of this message series. Uh, we are going to be moving on from the from the Gospels entirely, um, and talking about one of the one of the healing stories that Simon Peter does in the Book of Acts. Um, there is a beggar who begs at Solomon's gate or Solomon's portico, um, and you know Simon Peter's. You know the, the the guy just sits there and begs for alms because there's no one that can get him into the water. And he begs and begs and begs for just, you know, this is his life. And Simon Peter says, I don't have gold or silver, but what I do have is this. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And the guy does. And the people flock to him. And then he teaches the crowd. And then it's just kind of very indicative of the way that he lives the rest of his life. And so we're going to be digging into uh, what happens next in his life and then challenging us to think about what comes next in our lives and then we're going to watch some of our freshmen take a step of faith and get confirmed as full members of the church and so cool it's a it's going to be a really powerful I, I if it's shaping up to be a really powerful day of like realizing that our next steps are right ahead of us or are mm -hmm. right in front of us you know that the, the investing in these young people is such a vital part of our church and mm -hmm. like we may not have gold or riches, but we do have is the power of Jesus Christ living in each and every single one of us that we can share with a person, you know. And right. so that'll be kind of what we focus on on Sunday. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for joining us on this week's Comfort Time podcast. Join us again next week online or in person here at the church. And then join us again for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.